Welcome, everybody, to Potent Pictures Podcast. I've got Matt, Sean, and myself, Peter, here. We are missing Dave for this review here, and, uh, you know, it's sad news, but... Yeah, as Dave is the one... This is the one film that Dave actually has experience in real life talking about, and he's not going to be here to talk about it, as he's right now probably sitting on the beach in Puerto Rico drinking a Mai Tai, so... Uh, good riddance, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll send this to the ether he can listen to it and cry himself to sleep over his mai tai um so you can follow us on potent pictures on twitter you can send us emails potent pictures podcast at gmail.com love to get feedback tell us how crappy we are reviewing movies whatever else you have to say but today we're going to talk about life and we're also going to talk about what's going on in our lives so just to kick that off We'll go to Matt. Matt, tell us, what, what are you drinking, and uh, what are you watching this week? Yeah, so I'm not very inventive on my drink this week, just a, just a whiskey Coke. Uh, you know, Jack Daniels, which is always a, a good choice for such a beverage, though Crown is a little better. I ran out of that a, a few days ago. Depressing, depressing times, for sure. Um, what I've been watching whilst drinking these types of drinks is uh, I actually just started uh, Generation Kill, which is uh, HBO... Uh, production from uh, I think about 2008 um, quite good I don't know how I missed it when it first aired uh, but very much very much into it and looking forward to uh, closing out it's only seven episodes so it's a pretty quick run kind of like uh, Band of Brothers uh, Pacific Rim I'm uh, sorry Pacific Rim the Pacific those kinds of uh, those kinds of things but this is this is really good really entertaining I like that Alexander Skarsgård uh, guy quite a bit uh, obviously my favorite role is not True Blood, but it's actually his role in, uh, Zoolander. Um, he loves his orange milk <laughs> frappuccinos, so I can't get it, you know, kind of hard to drop that, uh, picture whenever I see him on screen, but, uh. Does he die in a gasoline fight? As far, as far as I've seen so far, and I haven't gotten too far into the, the show, uh, he has not had a gasoline fight yet, and I'm hoping he doesn't die, because I, I like his character, but, uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm looking, looking forward to it. Have you ever guys seen that one? Yeah, I actually remember watching that when it first came out on HBO, Matt, and I was very intrigued by it. It was right, I mean, it was during the, uh, the time when we were in Iraq and Afghanistan, so a lot of it was, was topical. But, um, I, I, you know, I can't really recall a lot of it, but I do remember liking it. And a couple of good characters that came out and I've seen in other things, like you had talked about Alexander Skarsgård um, being one of them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a great great throwback for me since i hadn't seen it in a while but i'll have to check it out it's on hbo go right yeah it is, it is. and it's it's funny i just powered through the wire this past summer which i, I realized how far that ago that was now <laughs> um but uh finally caught up on that and i just realized this was uh the same guy that that did this is the same guy that uh done the wire so uh, i'm a fan of his for sure nice i don't remember that. i didn't realize that but that's cool yeah it's it looks good the writing's been good so far so I don't know if it'll live up, you know, Band of Brothers, whenever I, you know, toss that on to try to convince somebody to watch it, I always get hooked and rewatch it myself. Um, I, you know, I don't know if this will live up to the same, um, you know, my same kind of love for it, but so far it's, it's, it's pretty close. So, so is it like a Band of Brothers type production, you know, like 10 episode type thing, or is it multiple seasons? No, it's, it's just, it's a miniseries, just like Band of Brothers in the Pacific. It's, this is seven. I think Band of Brothers was eight and I think the Pacific was about the same um band of brothers of course world war ii the pacific was world war ii in the um pacific theater um and then this is like sean said the iraq afghanistan war they're actually they're in iraq um for this 
Uh, as far as I know, I don't know that they you know get into the Afghanistan aspect of it, but definitely worth checking out. What are you what are you watching, Sean? Yeah, well, I guess this week I I can get into a little bit. I, I kind of have been at the theater uh, for about four hours today, so I haven't really watched anything this weekend, uh, being out and about. But uh, caught up on a couple of um, Netflix this week um, comedy specials. Um, one of which was Theo Vaughn, uh, his comedy special on Netflix, which I watched that on Thursday night. Very wait, wait, Sean, I gotta, I gotta stop you off because I 100% thought you were gonna talk about Dave Chappelle, and I thought I was gonna be told I needed to watch that immediately. The fact, that, <laughs> the fact that you said somebody other than Dave Chappelle was probably the biggest twist um, this of the weekend for me. Plot twist. I was so that's on my list to watch. I, I haven't, I've heard mixed reviews, but I mean, I, I've heard Dave Chappelle for the most part hasn't really done anything um, like this in a few years. So I'm excited to see. He actually showed up. A friend of mine was at the uh, Chris Rock show in New Orleans this past weekend. And he uh, and Dave Chappelle just randomly showed up and did comedy with Chris Rock, which he said was hilarious. <laughs> but nobody, I haven't seen any video nice. of it, but I guess he's promo- out promoting his um, new specials on Netflix. But the Theo Vaughn one that I saw is, uh, he's a guy, which I don't know if you guys recall, but he's always going to be the road rules guy from MTV. Um, who became a comedian, sort of like how like sort of like how Mike Mizanine ended up being the wrestler in the WWE. He was on he was on Real World. Yeah, too. So yeah. Like, um, <laughs> but yeah, it was very funny. It's it's one of those ones where he basically just says a lot of stuff that's politically incorrect, and you get people who laugh. But there's like people who laugh, but they don't know if they should be laughing because it's very uh, very risky stuff, risque stuff. But um, I thought it was good overall. Worth checking out if you got about an hour to kill. Those uh, comedy specials aren't too long. Um, and then other than that, I just watched uh, Star Wars Rebels, the season finale, um, which I tend to like these little kind of stories that, that they've created that are animated that really fill the plot or kind of fill in the, the canon of Star Wars lore. Um, but uh, th- that's all I really got into this week. But um, what about you, Peter? Besides being a new dad, uh, what, have, what have you had a chance to watch this week? Yeah, that's a that's a great point. So, uh, you know, appropriate to life, I just had a baby girl. So, luckily, my wife is awesome and has let me see a few movies this weekend, which we'll talk about. But beyond that, we are watching lots of reruns, lots of whatever the hell is on TV while it's three in the morning and you have nothing else to do but stare at a screen, dead, dead in the eyes, dead in the face, and uh, you know, wishing you had your prior life. No, I'm just kidding. Love her. Best, best little baby <laughs> in the world. Name's Lily. Way to immortalize your love for your it, daughter. It's gonna, this, this is going to go up. This is going to go up into the ether. Everybody's going to listen to this, and she's going to, you know, one day be 15 years old and be like, Dad, you're a loser. So yeah. it's great. Great. Love you, honey. Um, but no, so mostly reruns. I know right now my wife is watching The Shield, so I catch a lot of um, random episodes. Um, yeah, I think that makes up for what I've been watching other Wait, than the movies. That's, that's what your wife's about. watching. What are you actually watching? Well, what other reruns um, are out there? So what am I actually watching? Uh, so I think we'll, we'll get into the, the movies a bit. Um, one thing that I have been picking up on a little bit, uh, we watch uh, Last Man on Earth. Do you guys catch that on Fox? I'm two seasons behind, but I enjoyed the one I did see. I'm trying to get caught up. Sean, have you ever seen that? Yeah, what, is that the one? Um, it's on Fox, right? I think that that's a funny show from what I've seen, but I haven't watched a lot of it. 
Yeah, um, so I think it's three third season now. It, it's a fun show. It's one of those that always confuses us because they when they do the mid season breaks, they always end up lasting much longer than a normal mid season break. So I think they went through nine episodes in the season and then waited maybe two or three months before they started kicking back on. So we started to catch up again and uh, super funny show. And it's they had a great shtick for season one, which Matt you'll probably remember is you know he's last guy on earth obviously and starts to meet people and he's just a terrible human being and they they switch it in the in the later seasons so it's not just continually him being a terrible human being he changes and you get more into some of the other characters so they i think they've done a good job kind of stringing it out but definitely a fun show to watch for anybody you, who hasn't seen you're it. not making me want to catch up because one of my things my favorite things about it was knowing that he's a worse person than me because if i picture what? myself at the end of, you know if i'm the only person i'm like oh at least i'd probably be better than him well, I'll I'll caveat it with he always is still a terrible person. It's okay. just not it's not all about how terrible he is. Okay, good because so. it it did get a little rough watching him be terrible forever. Yeah, it has it had those kind of office cringeworthy scenes where you just couldn't you couldn't watch him ruin himself anymore. I remember yeah. I took a two year hiatus from the office after uh, uh, Mike's little Scotts or whatever when he promised. To <laughs> oh, send Scott's co- Tots. Scott's Tots. Yeah. Uh, that was I had to leave the room. I was at a, like a we were all drinking and watching that episode. I left the room. I and I don't think I returned until it was over. And I don't think I came to another one of those parties until two years later. And none of us lived in the same city anymore, so didn't care about it. For anybody listening, go Google Scott's Tots. Find the YouTube video of the song that they sing to him, and you will <laughs> you will laugh out loud. It is pretty great. <laughs> so, Peter, I gotta ask since we didn't you didn't touch on this, but. Uh... With the new baby being born, what are you drinking? <laughs> that That's a great point. So um, surprisingly, or maybe it's not surprisingly, I have torn into, we've had a bunch of craft beer that's been shipped to us. My sister gave me a beer of the month club. So they send you 12 beers every month and it's from two breweries. So they do six and six. And finally, I've been trying to, you know, in solidarity, stay off the booze while my wife couldn't drink. And now that the baby's out, it's, you know, no hold barred. Let's go for it. So been kind of diving into a few different craft beers and actually excited because for anybody who's from Milwaukee, Lakefront Brewery, which is right near my alma mater, Marquette, they are sending me four beers for this uh, Beer of the Month Club. So I'm thoroughly looking forward to that. I'm super confused by the math on that. You're getting six and six. They're only giving me four. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. They're, no, they're, no, they're giving me. They're giving me six. I'm sorry, my, uh, This is this is what happens when your sleep goes from about you know you know ninety percent of what it should be to five percent. So, and again, I'm not doing anything. I'm just I'm just awake, just away yeah. from the crying. Lakefront was good. That was the first thing I, I was up there for a few weeks, and that was the first beer that I was told to have and got to have. Uh, besides spotted cow and it's it was definitely good yeah i've never been i've never had their beer but i've been by the brewery though um same thing milwaukee i didn't realize you were a marquette grad pete but uh yeah uh sorry about the basketball tournament for marquette last week but uh yeah <laughs> but uh yeah it's good good school though um and lakefront's a good brewery so that's cool and i didn't even mention this but uh i'm i'm drinking a i'm not drinking anything like too spectacular just a little uh Grapefruit Perrier and orange juice for me because I'm off the booze for a couple of weeks. So um, it's a spectacular treat if you haven't had Perrier, grapefruit Perrier, though. It's very refreshing. Make, making us all look bad. I didn't know they had flavors. Fancy. Yeah, they do. It's uh, spectacular. Like, the grapefruit is spectacular, as I mentioned here. 
Um, they also have like a lemon lime and a um, and like an orange one, which is kind of like a like orangina. Like if you've ever had orangina, it kind of tastes like that. Of the things that end in Gina, um, orange orangina is not one. Of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so it's it's funny that you're talking about the grapefruit because uh, Lacroix. Um, are you guys familiar with that uh, kind of flavored sparkling water? Indeed. Yeah, Lacroix. <laughs> Oh no! Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Is this going to be another uh, Aubrey Plaza thing again? Yeah, man, it's a French word. Though, like, I took French in high school, and one of the few words I will always remember is pomplamousse because it it's just fun to say. And I probably mispronounced it, just like you said, I mispronounced Lacroix. Um, that I was at a I was at a client, and one of the things that they stocked in their cafeteria was Lacroix. And any time somebody wanted me to grab something when I went to get something unhealthy was always the pomplamousse LaCroix. And part of it was because it was the best tasting flavor and because everybody just had a fun time saying it. Because it literally, it didn't say grapefruit, it said pomplamousse. No, it just says pomplamousse, yeah. Um, to move off of something as exciting as flavored sparkling water. Um, <laughs> Although pomplamousse is exciting. It, it actually, yeah. it's, it's a lot it's a good word. <laughs> it's a good word. Sean, so you were talking about the, I can't remember the comedian's name, um, but have you, you, you were talking about, I was kind of risque and non PC. Have you, have you seen, uh, Anthony Jeselnik's standup? No, I have not seen his, but I know who Anthony Jeselnik is. It was a spectacle. Is it, is it a spectacle? It, it is fantastic. I, I'd actually encourage anybody to stop listening to us right now and, and watch that or listen to that. Thanks, or Matt. Find that right Good job, now. Matt. Come back to us yeah. after, but not Anthony selling Jeselnik the podcast is, is definitely selling it. Um, a good time. Uh, I'm not sure if there's a way to listen to it. I know it's on Netflix. So you might need to continue listening to this while you're doing things that don't allow you for visual uh, stimuli. But uh, once you get a chance, Anthony Jeselnik's a good way to go. Quick trick on that. You, you hate Anthony. Well, <laughs> I, I, I like Anthony Jeselnik. The first time I heard of him was, uh, for any of you out there who like comedy, if you go to Pandora, you can make a comedian uh, station. So first time I heard of him when we were driving on a road trip and said, hey, we want to listen to something other than music, something we can actually get engaged in. And we turned it on and it's just random comedians on, on Pandora and Anthony Jeselnik came up. So super funny guy. Second fact about him, he was the host of, what the hell was that? The, uh, the com- uh, reality comedian show that's on NBC. It's like next, next comedian, next top. Last comic standing. <laughs> yep. Yep. So for anybody who wants to see him, he doesn't really say anything funny, but I would imagine it'd be hard for him to say something funny on a station like NBC, considering the things that he says, which I find hilarious, but very, very true. Very true. Nice. Good. I didn't know about the Pandora thing. Does it, does it do full like kind of sets or do you kind of get like two or three minute jokes and then you switch to the next one? Yeah, so you'll get tracks, right? So every single comedic album has tracks. So you'll get one track from an album and it'll jump to the next comedian. So you'll get some Aziz, you'll get Anthony Jeselnik, you'll get, um, you know, you name it, you'll get a random comedian. So it, it's good stuff. That, and it's all kind of top-notch people. So for anybody who wants a mix. That's good to know. I'm going to have to try that. I don't want to lose our fan base that includes 20 people that probably have better opinions than me. But am I the only one that's not as big on Aziz? In terms of his stand-up, I think he's hilarious. 90% of the time, but most of his stand-up, the like it, love it, gotta have it, ice cream, um, it's it's too big for me, and it's it's a little hard for me to stomach. I'll listen to it with people, I like the social aspect of it, He's he is very funny, but am I the only one that's not as big on him? I like him as Tom from Parks and Rec, 
So I've gotten him in pieces from from the Pandora station. So the, I think when you get it in pieces, I liked it. Okay. And I will say we went to, I can't even think of the name of the, the big uh, show that they had in Dallas, but it was, it was all the different comedians. So it was, you know, they had 40 different comedians playing for about six hours. We went to that and he was the headliner and he was hilarious live. So I will say live, he was really funny, but I can see he had some jokes in there that, were you know you it really was love it or hate it so all right i'll, I'll assume that uh I, I just need to listen to more than I'll, I'll i'll backtrack on my hard line stance on his stand-up i'll, I'll give it another shot on aziz you mean yeah because i i feel like i know what you're talking about matt the uh because i've seen a couple of his stand-up specials and i do like aziz to your point um in a lot of what he does like especially in parks and rec but uh I think his stand-up's good. It just he does the same jokes almost like, and that's and I know you're talking about the like it, love it, gotta have it is one that's a repeat uh, offender. So, um, but yeah, I think it's a he's good overall. I always come back to Adrian Brody from uh, not at Adrian Brody, Adam Brody from uh, the OC. I don't know if you guys watched that back in high school. Um, <laughs> no, but I, didn't. I, I did Who finally didn't? get convinced by uh, um, attractive girls. It didn't work, but they convinced me to watch it with them. Um, and I fell for it. And one <laughs> and of the stances he had. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> sexless, <laughs> sexless innkeeper kind of, kind of status. Um, <laughs> but he, he always complained about people being too big in their comedy. And Aziz, some of the stand-up that I did see, which again, is not enough. Um, was kind of where I placed him. So I'll, I'll give it another shot. Well, it's okay to have a backbone. You can stand up for it. You can say you don't like it. You don't have to, we don't get forced into our opinions. Yeah. Be, be yourself. <laughs> I trust your guys' opinion. Uh, so I'll, I'll give it another shot. I did not know, Peter, that there were actual festivals for comedy, st- for stand-up comedians though. So that's, that's super interesting. I'm gonna have to try to monitor that and find one. If I think of the name, I will, I will say it, but it's a, it's a huge festival. Definitely worth it. Well, they have a comedy tent at Bonnaroo um, with nothing but comedians that come in there, too. So it's starting to be more of a thing, Matt. I, I like that because I, I don't have the stamina for a uh, music festival anymore. Uh, but maybe a, maybe a comedy festival I can, I can power through. Yeah, have a couple uh, wasabi shooters and hang out. <laughs> <laughs> Good deal. All right, well, well, let's get this kicked off. And we're going to do, do something a little different in that we're going to do a real quick comment on another movie that sean and i saw this weekend uh through my incessant deal searching i found some free tickets to power rangers a throwback for anybody on the podcast who loved those multicolored, you know japanese inspired ninjas and uh sean and i went off and see it so figured we'd give our quick kind of uh, overall thoughts on the movie and then uh we'll kick off into life so sean sean what do you think about power rangers overall yeah, I'll be pretty quick um, because I, I guess I'm at the age where I was about an eight-year-old eight when they were introduced in America here and I uh, got into it pretty hardcore, had the Zords, had the, the action figures, watched the show, and it was like a live-action show, so I didn't mind it as much. But, um, you know, the, they kept the film itself was directed by a guy who I, you know, I kind of liked, uh, Dean Israelite. I kind of liked his, his other kind of claim to fame was Project Almanac, which was a movie a couple of years ago. Um, that's really big on like that handheld kind of camera style of filmmaking where it's, you know, where there's like the cameraman is a character in the film. Um, and there was like this, this film had that kind of effect in the first, I don't know, first 20 minutes, 30 minutes of, um, with a lot of the, it seemed like there was some sort of person that was like following around the characters. 
Um, and then it kind of went into, it kind of went into a little bit of like the, uh, the nostalgic of the character development, but I, I thought the movie itself was, was, was okay. I mean, it is what it is. It's, it's, it's kind of a cash grab for a, uh, something that a lot of millennials have a, uh, an affinity for with Power Rangers. So they, there's a couple of moments that, you know, when, when you're, when they have the Zords and they're going through the, like the desert and they're playing the go, go Power Rangers, you're like, yeah, you know, this is, this is what I remember in, from the TV show. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I thought it was, was decent. Um, I don't know how I read where they're going to have six, uh, this is like a six film series, which I'm, I'm not sure where they can pull an hour and a half, um, an hour and a half of, cause I felt like the movie itself was about an hour of character development and then about 20 minutes of, uh, fighting the villain. Um, and then that was it. So, um, overall I'd say it's, it's good if you, uh, if you were a fan of Power Rangers, go check it out. But, uh, um, maybe wait till it comes out on uh, streaming services. Um, what about you, Peter? What'd you think? Yeah, I think I'm right on board with you. Overall, I had a good time, and I think it was kind of those thoughts of the original cartoons, or not the cartoons, but the original live-action show. Overall, I had a good time. I thought it was thoroughly amusing. It was interesting, the take they took, which is more of the high school drama, teen angst, kind of, you know, we'll build up the characters, and then, to your point, there's very little action. Uh, it's more talking about who the characters are, um, but it, it didn't it didn't lose me completely. I thought it was it was pretty good. It was something that I, I enjoyed. I'd agree with you. I'd probably wait till this comes out on DVD. But overall, I had a good time. I think they did a, a pretty good job with what they had. I will say, they made about what forty point five million. It's looking like for the weekend, so it's almost a green light for kicking this off. And like you mentioned, Sean, they were saying. They have, or the original creator of Power Rangers, uh, and I can't think of his name. It's uh, uh, Saban, I believe. Uh, real quick, is... real quick, drop on that. Uh, Saban is not the creator. He's actually uh, he's the one that imported it from Japan to the U.S. So he still You're gets right. his name yeah. on for that reason, but he's he's not the creator. Credit to him for for giving us the show that we all grew up with, and you know a few movies, but uh, not the creator. You are right. You are. Right. I read that that it's based on an original Japanese show, and I can't think of the name. But um, he did make a comment that they want to do six movies, and so we'll see where that goes. But it had a hundred and ten million dollar budget, made forty million in its first weekend, so it's probably going to keep going. And they definitely set it up to to keep moving. So I think if they play more heavily on showing you some action and showing you more of the the Rangers as opposed to the the teenage kids in the next one, I think it'll be even more fun. So. So yeah, I thought overall pretty good. Nice. I, I can't believe you just called them the Rangers, not the Power Rangers. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I might not be as hip to the the Power Rangers as I thought. Uh, so, so you guys are saying when it when it gets out, I should I should check it out, but I don't need to rush to the theater. Yeah, more or less. But uh, just a, another thing I wanted to touch base on, um, because you don't really know a lot of the actors. They're they're mostly fresh faces. But um, Brian Cranston, I heard a fun story where. The character, the Blue Rangers character, or um, his name is uh, David Cranston, and it's based off of because Brian Cranston was the original like uh, he read for the part or something, or read for I, I forget what the whole connection was, but he basically read the character's uh, lines at a table reading. So they named the character um, last name Cranston as a tribute to him, and him being the Zordon character in this film was kind of like full circle. It was, pretty funny but uh i'm i'm 90 percent confused by that story because he's still alive so tribute seems early 
but also he was like he was in his thirties and in Seinfeld when when the Power Rangers were on. So what did he read for high school? I he I think he read for like somebody. He read for somebody's <laughs> part. I don't. I think it was just a table read that he was filling in. Um, and like he was friends with somebody. I, I don't know the whole story. I just okay. I just found that that little tidbit. I heard. I read something or saw something about it, and I thought it was pretty funny. But uh, and then um, also Bill Hader was the voice of like the little Alpha Five robot. He was. He was. I spent the whole movie. I spent the whole movie trying to figure out whose voice that. I thought it was Patton Oswalt in one part, but no, it was uh, <laughs> Bill Hader. It's funny because I caught on to it and I, I I searched for it for a few minutes and then I, I pinpointed it. And the only reason is uh, from Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. I just, I can get his voice down from watching those movies and hearing his voice without the face. So I, <laughs> I knew it. He, It was funny. I don't know about you, Sean, but that quick note on that robot character there's times where he does a great job and times where he's completely phoning it in and so that was kind of funny to listen to because you can just you can just imagine bill Hader in a in a recording box just like okay this is just dumb (laughs) yeah i i mean i find that all that kind of stuff the little like i mean that's what he's there for he's there for like comic relief and not really adding a lot of uh you know substance but yeah it was uh it was funny i mean it was like i said it's a it's a it's a one of those movies that, you know, I, there was a lot of kids in the theater for me, um, so it was like a lot of families. Um, so yeah, like it was pretty much a uh, a family film that I was by myself in. So uh, yeah, I, like we said, good for a uh, at home watching experience. Way to way to take a stance on seeing the movie versus me not try, not willing to do the same thing for Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> I, I've learned a long time ago not to have any shame in anything I do, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> just, just be yourself, Matt. Be yourself. Well, I've been willing to see movies by myself since I was probably sixteen. Um, that sounded really lame. Since I was, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was going to ask. So we're not going to say. I was going to say I'm really excited about the movie being out. If for for not having to see the trailers anymore. Because every time, or from the first time I saw it, and even when I would see it subsequently, I would always think it was like Chronicle again. Because the print, like the the way they did the the trailer with high school kids finding something and becoming whatever, I would always it would be very it was very reminiscent of Chronicle. And I don't know if you guys ever saw that, but I actually enjoyed that yep. movie. Yeah, no, I that was the first thing I thought, and it's it's a very similar way they find it. So I completely agree. It's and just the way it's you know about teenagers and they're in their their prime and all that type of thing. So um, no, it's a good call out. As as they're sixteen, they do things other than see movies by themselves. I get it. <laughs> they also set it up for. Uh, I, I know we it's kind of a spoiler, but they uh, set it up for another film at the end um, with the. Uh, with something we you kind of knew was coming the whole time, but um, yeah, yep. so you know you're at least getting one more. Yeah, for for sure. All right, good deal. So so yeah, overall, it, it sounds like we both kind of recommend see it at some point. Don't necessarily run to the theaters to go see it. So exactly. All right, with that, I think we will jump into the main review, which is life. So I just want to just kind of set the stage, you know. Reading the the summary on IMDb, a team of scientists aboard the International Space Station discover a rapidly evolving life form that caused extinction on Mars and now threatens the crew and all life on Earth. So this movie did very poorly at the box office. I think they're saying it's going to get around $12.5 So given $58 million budget, got a bunch of big actors in it, did not do very well. Um, but... 
Uh, overall, let's let's talk about what everybody thought about the movie. So so we'll start with you, Sean. What did you think about life? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, seeing the trailer, it was one of the ones that was during the Super Bowl, and, and it's been uh, pretty well publicized that it was coming out. It has a, a good cast, I, one of which I'm a fan, a pretty big fan of Jake Gyllenhaal, um, and Ryan Reynolds has been really popular lately. A couple of uh, guys who I didn't, and, and a couple of girls who I didn't really um, know previously, but, uh, you know, had a lot of hype behind it. I thought it was ripe for success. Um, you know, there's a couple of things that I have that I, I feel like they did well, a couple of things I feel like that they didn't typically, um, you know, really do well on one of which is, uh, you know, I think they're, they dropped the ball on their character development pieces. I mean, this film is one of those ones that there's a lot of characters in there that you can work with, especially, um, being on a, a tight, tight ship like that with the uh, international space station. But, um, yeah, I, I think uh, overall it was okay, but we can talk a little bit more about that here in, a, in, in the coming uh, bits. But uh, yeah, it starts off pretty well, kind of gets gets to a point, and then it kind of drops off. But uh, what do you think, Matt? What did you think of the overall film? So uh, first things, I'm, I'm glad I didn't learn who the writers were before I saw it, because I think I would have been even more disappointed than I, than I was. Uh, perfectly you know, fine sci-fi film, I, I suppose. If you, if you need something that's in space or you need something kind of in the science fiction genre, it's not a bad way to go. Though it sounds like Power Rangers might be a, might be a better way to go based on uh, you guys' kind of review. Um, the premise didn't give me too much hopes. We, we, we've all kind of seen the kind of trapped in a, a room or a spaceship and, and something bad's happening uh, kind of thing. I think we'll all probably talk about some of those, those movies that come to mind uh, that probably execute a little bit better. But it was mostly the cast that got me excited to see it. I like Ryan Reynolds. I like Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, Two Guys, A Girl in a Pizza Place, I think is when I, I wanted to be Berg back back when I was a kid. Um, and, <laughs> and now I want to be, you know, would, would, you know, Deadpool would be the dream, of course. I don't know if I'm supposed to fantasize about things like that still. But uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest. I, I wouldn't mind being Deadpool, despite the scarring. Um, and as Sean mentioned, Jake Gyllenhaal is always a, always a good uh, good guy to have in a movie. And I liked Rebecca Ferguson in uh, Mission Impossible uh, 5. So, you know, it had a strong cast. I uh, was looking forward to... Oh, and uh, I can't, I can't uh, remember the guy's name, but uh, he was in uh, Sunshine and a few episodes of uh, Lost, I think. Uh, yeah. Hiroku, yep. Hiroki Sonata, I think. Uh, I really enjoy him. He, he doesn't always get the playtime that I feel like he deserves because I, I, for something, kind of like a stoic face. Um, so I always enjoy seeing him in, in movies. And then enjoy the work that he does. So with with that, you know, I was pretty excited to see the movie. ISS, uh, Sean and I were both uh, privy to kind of tour some of the models due to due to Dave, and uh, who's not here, so we don't have to deal with him complaining about their percept their portrayal of the ISS. We'll have plenty of other things to discuss in terms of how they treat uh, space problems. But uh, yeah, overall, was not expecting too too much, but was still kind of disappointed. I'd, I'd say. With, I'm looking forward to talking about it a bit more, though, once we once we get to into the details. What about you, Peter? Yeah, I don't think I have too much more to add without getting into the spoilers. It was the same thing. I was definitely drawn to this movie by the cast. It, it is one of those movies where, um, you know, it, it immediately made me think of Aliens when you see the trailer. Made me think of kind of a cross between uh, the Sandra Bullock space flick, and it's slipping my mind right now. Gravity. Um, gravity. gravity yeah. yeah. 
yeah kind of that gravity where it's a very controlled you know it's all within this one space it's it's literally space no pun intended um those are usually movies where i can enjoy if it's got the right people which one this one did so it drew me in but otherwise it's something that i probably would rather forego and watch on tv so um and i think it it kind of went that way for me in the actual movie I, I had a good time. It wasn't it wasn't something that I'm sad I saw in theaters. I think to your point, Sean, character development was pretty poor. If you're trying to talk about something that's gonna take some similar beats to other movies, maybe you should try to do something different with the characters. Um, and we'll definitely jump into the characters in general and the decisions they make, and I think we'll have a good time with that. Um, but at a high level, uh, you know, had a good time. wasn't anything I think I'd recommend anybody go off and run and see, but. Um, yeah, I think with that, let's just jump into spoilers and let's just get going. And the first thing I wanted to jump into uh, is the first scene of the movie. And it's it's everybody who's seen a trailer for this. I don't know about you guys, but literally every movie we've seen for this podcast, there's been at least this the trailer for this movie, if not many others that I've seen a million times. And they've showed the scene where... Ryan Reynolds catches a satellite with the arm of the space station. And I just wanted to jump into that because it's played out a little differently in the actual film. Hey, real quick, Peter, since since yeah. Dave, Dave is not here, I don't believe that's technically a satellite. I think it's a probe. I think a satellite has to orbit something. So I'm going to drop a little... Uh, you had to be that guy. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> had to be that guy. I thought David wasn't here. I mean, Jesus, come on, I'm trying to make it feel as though David is here. Dave lives on through Matt. <laughs> Dave will be so proud of you. Or maybe I'm wrong and, and David's going to be like, you're, <laughs> you've ruined everything. I think you're right. It, it was a probe. It was a probe. So, so before you rudely interrupted me with the soul of Dave coursing through your veins. Um, no, <laughs> um, so in the trailer, which I'm sure everybody's seen, Ryan Reynolds catches the, set, the probe. I'm sorry, the probe. And he does it in clear field of view. You know, celebrations are had. It's kind of this this pivotal moment in the movie it's it's played out a little differently and that they kind of add some suspense and i feel like it's it's synonymous with the way the rest of the movie goes where they try to add in suspense in very weird ways i don't know what you guys thought about the actual way this played out and if you guys had any thoughts i, I think you took it you read it a, a little more uh profoundly than i would have and i think it was a, a great way to put it it's, it's exactly a good kind of setup for the way the rest of the movie went it, they added drama to it when it probably wasn't needed and maybe not super successfully. I did like that they started the movie immediately with them catching uh, the probe, though. I, I liked it was kind of uh, there was no like half an hour setup of, oh, we super want this cool stuff from Mars. We, we would love to learn more about Mars. Everybody knows we want to love, you know, we want to learn things from other planets. And so I, I like that they kind of just started immediately. Uh, but they, they did add drama unnecessarily, especially for a movie that you knew that was going to be suspenseful and thrilling to begin with it, it probably wasn't ex, you know extremely necessary i think they did it more to, to kind of try to add character development for some of the characters some of them cared some of them didn't some of them were more worried than others vis- visibly some of them were the leaders so you got to find out who they were but you could have done that with a successful or a non-complicated uh, pickup as well so uh, i'd have to agree with you peter Yeah, and I, I think what's what was interesting for me was, you know, they so they add in this scene where you can't and just to give those listening, you know, just in case you forgot, 
He goes to catch the satellite or the probe again, the probe goes to catch it and it goes out of view of camera. So you really can't tell. And it looks like it bounces off the space station and it makes you think something doesn't go well. And obviously anybody who's seen a trailer already knows that it goes well. You already know that this is all about the alien that's inside of the probe anyway. So they have to catch it. So I thought it was an interesting take. It does. I think one of the good parts of it was it does keep you on your toes in that, you know, I'm very used to seeing a trailer and expecting whatever happened in the trailer to play out the same way in the movie. So I did appreciate them kind of taking a little spin and going, all right, we're going to, we're going to make you think something differently. And then for every other scene that happens in the movie, it also kind of makes you think that same way. So I will give them, I will give them props for that play, assuming that's what they were going for. But um, yeah, definitely, definitely an interesting way to kick it off. And I agree with you, Matt. It's a good way to get it started. And to just reemphasize what you said, that actually is one thing that I will give the movie a, a good credit for. The trailer did make me want to see it successfully, but it also didn't ruin, you know, ruin the movie or, you know, ruin specific scenes. My expectations were set based on the trailer just because I'd seen pieces of scenes and some of them played out actually differently uh, than what I kind of was, was trained to believe based on the trailer. So I was very pleased with how that happened. And I would love for more movies to do that or more trailers, if not movies to do that. So, Yeah, I have to follow up on that, Matt, because I feel like the, the best films cut different scenes and then they show something exciting in the trailer. But then it like they find another way to make it more exciting and not give away the film in the trailer, um, which is always a good thing. So you don't feel like going into the theater, you've already seen the movie, which a lot of films now are doing. Um, one of which I'm hoping doesn't happen with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, which comes up in May. But uh, I guess a little bit getting into the film itself, Peter had touched on how this film mimics gravity a little bit with uh, a lot of the spacewalking and a lot of the just the scenes right above the Earth with, uh, I guess, the conflict that's going on with this, within the ISS. But I, I have to say that the other one that, we, that he didn't quite mention was the similarities and basically... Lot of similarities to Alien. I mean, just the overall creature chasing around um, a crew of, of members on a spaceship. So, um, you know, there's a lot of that. And being that that was sort of like the first space horror film, really, um, this kind of has that like thriller horror tie in with the creature, which, um, which is cute how they kind of uh, announced the name of the creature. Um, or the, the organism, the amoeba, as I was calling it, um, as opposed to like the xenomorph and alien, I call this one the amoeba. Um, they named it Calvin based on a school vote. Is that, is that right? The, in this one school, basically their school was Calvin school. So they, I, I actually liked that. Kind of, I, I thought that I was thought a that good was cool, take. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought it was really cool that they kind of showed the whole of society being enthralled with space again. But uh, I thought it was, you know, a, a good way to do it. And they kind of, they didn't build it up. They just kind of showed it happening, which I thought was nice as well. So to your point, Sean, about comparisons between this alien and, you know, maybe we're talking about the alien from Aliens or any others. What were you guys' thoughts overall on the design of this character compared to other movies, whether it's Aliens or, you know, Predator, whatever, whatever you want to pick? What were your thoughts on this one versus what you've seen before? Yeah, I mean, I think I think one of the big takeaways I had was I think the idea of the creature being a single-celled organism that basically comes from an experiment that they conduct on the ship um, because I, I think the overall mission that they had was to 
be they call it the pilgrim um space mission because i think they're they're on an eight month trip to mars right is that is that kind of what you guys took away but uh they're on the iss so i don't think they're going anywhere okay i thought they were going to mars um they were just like on the space you, station you may to... have you may have watched the martian recently and, and... <laughs> <laughs> no i i think i thought that there was a little bit of difference but um anyway they so being on the ship you know kind of intersecting the um the pod i don't want to call it a satellite it's a uh <laughs> um <laughs> but just just intersecting that um uh, taking the the um the dust and the and some of the uh, things that they found there they basically i guess not really create the uh or the um but it's like they awake it this creature that really wiped out mars and then they it, they basically facilitate an environment for it to grow at a rapid pace um i thought that that was like i was cool how they showed that and how it, you see the creature grow right before your eyes and how it ends up becoming you know it basically just feeds off of uh oxygen and off of um i guess matter one of which being uh, it kind of went the root of scream how the the first uh member of the crew to to, to kind of bite it being uh, ryan reynolds character spoiler alert there but uh you know how i thought that death scene was was very cool how the creature just sort of um you know flew into the mouth of ryan reynolds and just basically made him pop from the inside out and I, I thought some of those things were cool. Then he kind of got into uh, how the cre- you know, the creature chasing the crew uh, uh, basically throughout the space station. I thought it was cool watching the creature move in the space station because, you know, like humans in general, like moving in, in, you know, in an environment where there's not gravity is a little, is challenging. And you watch this creature just like basically like hunt them down like a, you know, like a, like in, in the jungle or something like a lion or something like that. But um, yeah, I thought that the way that they did the creature and the way he like was, was preying on the, the crew was cool. But yeah, I mean, what did you guys think? What about you, Matt? So uh, just to go back to the Ryan Reynolds thing, that was actually exactly, so his, his first death, um, him being the first death was exactly the kind of thing that the trailer did not make me expect. So I was really happy that they did that though. That was the first instance of us, kind of as the as the audience i think thinking okay these guys don't make good decisions in space the protocols <laughs> even though they set up these protocols and and all that you know that they discuss um they they probably weren't as as good as they should have been they they also you know as you said Sean that you know they showed some scientific or or portrayed scientific thought in the way that they kind of grew and awoke the the single cell and analyze the way that it, it uh, kind of reproduced and, and things like that. So that was there. But then as soon as it, it got beyond that, they, it kind of seems like they all they didn't just lose scientific thought. They lost all common sense. And so with that, I, I, you know, that's kind of the setup of, all right, they, they're apparently they don't make good decisions for the rest of the movie. But that death scene was, was very good. I, I thought that was very creative. I thought the way that it worked was pretty gruesome. Um, I don't know if we want to drop into how they, how they, the alien actually killed uh, Ryan Reynolds, but it was it was pretty it was pretty tough to watch. I thought it was good, and I was kind of disappointed that he was he was gone so quickly. But uh, I, you know, I guess that's part of the the uh, the movie, like you said, Sean, with with the sc- the the scream analogy with Drew Barrymore kind of making uh, making a quick exit. This was a good you know Ryan Reynolds kind of did the same thing. 
Uh, as the alien grew, I kind of liked the way that it moved as, as an octopus. Uh, once it had a face, I didn't think it really needed a face when it got kind of got a bit bigger. Uh, I thought that kind of took away from the idea of the alien being so smart that it, you know, they said that every cell was a photoreceptor, was a nerve cell, and was a, was a muscle. Uh, I thought as soon as they kind of gave it a face towards the end, I felt that kind of detracted from that whole concept. Uh, but what do I know? I, I don't have a lot of experience in, in biology or, or with aliens or yeah. aliens in general. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> what, what, what about you, Peter? What, what do you think? No, I, I'm on the same page. Uh, completely agree with you guys. Overall, I thought it was really interesting the way that they portrayed, you just mentioned, you know, it's all muscle, all brain. I thought that's a very interesting way to think about it because it's, it's basically the ultimate predator as opposed to, you know, other movies where they just build these giant beasts that overall will be able to overpower you because of their size and because of their abilities. This one is, is just one that regardless, it could be as small as your hand and it could kill you because it's, it is all brain, all muscle. So I thought that was a really interesting take. Uh, completely agreed. Just that first death for me with the way the alien killed Ryan Reynolds was pretty impactful, pretty uh, gruesome without being overly so when you think about an aliens movie where you know it's you know there's it's teeth and and ripping limbs and it's very kind of visceral in your face this was you know for any listeners crawls down his throat and basically eats him from the inside out and you can see the aftermath only from you know the exterior view but it's still pretty impactful so i thought that was a really interesting way to do it I thought they did a good job with the alien. I agree with you, Matt, too. You know, as it progressed, I really was a fan of it when it was this small, you know, octopus, you know, almost starfish-looking being that could kind of move and slip around the, the spacecraft. I I thought as it got bigger, they started taking some liberties and making it look a little, I don't know, you know, adding extra limbs that didn't seem to do anything, adding a face that really didn't make any sense given that, it's it ate other characters before without having a face so i wasn't sure what the point of that well i know why it is they wanted to characterize it and have it look scarier when it stares at the characters in the face but um definitely didn't think it needed it i will say for me an interesting take from other alien movies is that this one is believable not only in the pieces we described about it being you know all brain all muscle but also uh, you know, it is small enough to slip around a giant space station through the different ducts without you really knowing, as opposed to, I always thought it was interesting you watch an alien, aliens, any of those movies, and the alien somehow is able to move throughout a space station when it's, you know, nine feet tall and probably weighs 400 pounds and it's crawling on metal. It's just, it always amazes me that it's somehow silent enough that it can sneak up behind you. This is one where I think it legitimately would be terrifying because it's so unassuming yet it could it could murder you at any minute so i thought i thought they did a really good job with the alien there i agree and, and so like on the alien side you know that was way into the future they they're basically on i think a, a mining ship right so it was huge and so i guess it makes sense they did have a lot of industrial especially from an 80s aesthetic um, a lot of industrial kind of areas where there might be space for it to hide i thought they did a great job designing an alien that could hide in an in a you know a spaceship that's the size of the ISS, which isn't isn't really all that big um, comparatively. So I, I like you said, Peter. I think it was a really good design for the way it slips around. And an alien, you know, it's it's sneaky because it's silent and hides. 
Whereas this is sneaky because it can pretty much move into any space without without much you know effort and without anybody knowing about it. So there's kind of a good take in that regard. Yeah, totally agree. So with that, I want to transition to something that we've kind of already touched on before, which is just the overall buffoonery of the crew on the space station. And so, I mean, the first thing for me that I thought was interesting, you guys mentioned it was, it was interesting that the, they go back to earth and show everybody's really engaged with what's happening on the space station and they're naming the alien and they're, they're all involved. But then the second that they start to poke and prod this thing further, every single decision they are making essentially seems as if there is no higher command at all helping them to make decisions. They're literally, you know, electrocuting this thing to get it back alive without talking to anybody. For some reason, there's no communication, even though they had all these basically, you know, web chats with the world. Then when they start to really have issues with it, there's no communication, um, you know, and yes, you could you could build in a reason for it, but I just thought that was interesting, and it for me it built up the first of many horrible decisions by the crew. I don't know about what you guys thought. About uh, that. Absolutely, and to, and to build on, it wasn't just that they ignored kind of going through a hierarchy of talking to people back on on you know Earth. Um, they they ignored all all common sense. <laughs> this thing's already growing pretty well, um, and they think that they should prod it. They're also using some sort of a. a I, I don't know if it's a, a cube where they can reach in with their hands and touch it. I mean, today, we I don't know how far in the future this was supposed to take, maybe 10 years or something. Um, but today we have robots that can touch things and, and do things, you know, prod things as we needed. There's no reason for somebody to use their... I, I know that it was a latex glove that was supposed to give some protection. Um, it still makes zero sense that they would they would use that kind of apparatus and that kind of enclosure to, to do the work that they were doing when we have robotic arms that could do the work and take any risk out of it. Uh, that, that really bugged me. Now, it, it made for a very gruesome scene. Um, the, the guy that you might, based on the trailer, you might think is going to die first. Um, he does have a brutal injury to his hand, um, based on his hand being in the glove. And while his glo- the glove sealed, the, the alien's quite powerful and is able to basically wrap around, kind of like a python, wrap around the hand and just completely annihilate it and crush it. Um, so that was extremely gruesome. Uh, but abs- I absolutely agree, Peter. Just uh, buffoonery, I think, is the perfect way to uh, to describe it. And everything beyond that is is the same kind of lapse in judgment, no thought, and not even just communicating with other people. That kind of took me out of the movie because these people are all obviously smarter than I am. Uh, and it makes no sense the decisions that they make, including not just after it happened, but the preparations that they made. They kept talking about these firewalls, but none of them seemed to be very good firewalls. Like <laughs> it all seemed pretty, Oh, well, you know, we just won't go in that room anymore. Can it leave the room? Yeah. Well, that's not a firewall anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I know they tried to sneak in reasons why it could re- leave the room, but it, it, it was pretty weak in, in, in my mind. What do you think, Sean? I mean, just overall, the film itself, like we're talking about the crew, you know, I, there's a, a few things like in the beginning of the movie when, you know, it like we talked about, it jumps right in. Crew seem to be like they, they're handling things pretty precisely. There's a the scene when they're, you know, going around having dinner. There's some some things going on there that, uh, you know, would happen in a normal, you know, ISS environment. Um, and then it. 
you know, you start to get, once the, they sort of figure out the single cell organism, they go through, then the crew, from that point on, like to, to what we've been talking about, it just, once there's a little bit of, uh, I guess, pro, you know, once there's a problem, it's like everybody forgets their protocols, their, you know, safe uh, safeguards, and then just like it becomes a, a madhouse. Um, so the space station is essentially just, it turns into like uh, like a sorority house Slayer film where you're just watching a, a, a um, you know, basically like a Michael Myers or like a, uh, a Jason just go through this, this whole place and trying to, and just popping up and killing uh, the crew and the crew acting like just scared people and just running around. If there's protocols in place, and these are all things that, you know, are, are, are might be little things, but they just, they build up and then they irritate you. And I, and I know I was, we kind of talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but they, they each one of the people have trackers. So like the guy, the one guy uh, who suffers the broken hand at the beginning, and then he suffers a, a leg issue um, where the, uh, or Calvin ends up being, eating a tracker so they can track him. So they use that for all of 30 seconds before it just completely becomes uh, a non-point and then they forget that they have that and then they sit there and then they figure out 10 other ways to try to do when they can tell where the, the thing is to try and, you know, do something, come up with another solution that would actually, you know, be of a, um, of a, more of a successful outcome with more, I guess, a higher degree of probability than some of the things that they do. So um that that's sort of the my my overall take on the crew as a whole and how they just sort of seem to be a bunch of uh chickens with their heads cut off like running around with like a bunch of chickens with their heads cut off um and, and and i wanted to kind of get into something else a little bit too was just my overall like my feel of how how stupid some of the dialogue was i guess i like the good night moon thing was oh god so so <laughs> stupid to me i, I feel like so they were bad. trying to make it dramatic and like the you know the, the book comes up because one of the cast members has a crew and and the captain i believe it was gave it to the guy as a uh you know it's like oh my dad used to read this to me maybe you could do that when you get back and his daughter may had you know which which was cool i mean pete for you being uh you know going through that whole childbirth thing you know seeing that guy have to basically live stream his childbirth uh on an ipad um and just kind of seeing him in that moment was was cool but then you know that the book keeps popping up like it, it it's not that you know i didn't think that that was that was just one of the things that i was and then like the whole thing with jake gyllenhaal i think he was i don't know i think he was guilty of a little bit of overacting sometimes in the movie uh like his he's one of those guys that doesn't want to be on earth he like came back from iraq and saw the you know the war and was was just didn't want to be around people so he ended up in space and you know didn't want to ever go back to earth so uh, just little things about the film as a whole and about the crew and about everything that just that just i didn't like but um you know what what about you peter what did you think about some of those elements i brought up no i think that's a great point um so the first thing you mentioned you know that uh, the guy that's watching his baby live stream. It was funny because I watched that and it's early in the movie before you really kind of get into some of the character development or lack thereof. And so when that happened, I think it it hit me a little bit 
just because, you know, it's it's really relevant to my current situation. So I went, all right, this is interesting. Um, so I thought that they did a good job. Completely agree with you, though. They basically just dropped the ball from there on in trying to develop anybody in this movie. The Goodnight Moon then killed me because they, they try to throw in this very solemn reading of this book and it it's trying to be dramatic and there's no reason why any of these characters should have a dramatic bone in their body because we haven't really met them throughout the movie they've basically just been screaming and making bad decisions so um it didn't really mean anything the fact that it was Hall and uh her name's escaping me um rebecca ferguson the, you know there was no real relationship between them other than the one meeting they had earlier in the movie so it seemed like they were trying to create some sort of, you know, romantic tension. Not necessarily romantic, but, you know, as if there was a connection there. But there was no connection in the rest of the movie, so it really didn't mean anything in terms of that scene. Um, yeah, it, overall, they they really didn't do a great job with those pieces and parts. And I, and I think it also goes along with the fact that, you know, they were all making horrible, horrible decisions throughout the movie. So, um <laughs> Yeah, definitely, definitely kind of, I think, flew in there and kind of went along. So, so to jump in on, on some of the, you know, regardless of character development, um, which, you know, I guess wasn't there anyway. Uh, I think my, I, I wanted to bring up like the, the decisions that were made by the crew that, that kind of bugged me the most. Sean, you mentioned the tracker and just basically, oh, this is a great idea and we don't care. Um, I think the thing that bugged me the most was that they were, supposedly doing all this experimentation in a capsule that was supposed to be you know again the firewalls but wh- why would they not just have it in an you know an exterior uh, level capsule that could then be jettisoned if something went wrong like it, it made zero sense that that type of simple protocol wouldn't have been the case um what, what were the decisions that bugged you the most peter i know sean you kind of gave yours i i think you know so one, one I'll, I'll call it one good decision first. So I thought Ryan Reynolds, you know, making the choice to go in and save the the colleague, even though it was dumb, I thought it was, he, he was smart in the way he did it compared to everybody else's dumb decisions. So, and obviously he knew something may bad may happen to him, but I thought that was, you know, there, there's the right dramatic tension for that scene to happen, you know, given everybody screaming at one another and somebody was going to go do it. So I thought that was the most believable of all scenes. I could see somebody doing it. Um, in terms of the main scientist, his name was Hugh, uh, the main scientist from uh, the UK who was doing a lot of the experimentation. Yeah. I, I mean, just him basically randomly deciding to do all of these different things without really, really checking in, especially the the prodding it with the electrical device. I mean, A, that thing looked like a disaster from the beginning that didn't remotely look like it'd be safe in this box when you have these rubber gloves the fact that the alien broke it in half and poked through i mean yes you didn't know that it was going to become sentient and start attacking you but at the same time is it ever a good idea to bring a pointy sharp object inside of a box when the only thing protecting you is a silicon glove i mean it right off the bat that just made zero sense and then and then later he drops the oh well it's not his fault it's it's all life's goal to survive so he's just doing what it's supposed to do it's like (laughs) well okay so we all know that but why would you then give it the tools to survive better than you (laughs) well exactly and then what was interesting to me was they had this little play there where i thought they were trying to imply that he 
you to me i don't know if it caught you guys i immediately knew when he started making those comments that the alien was probably somewhere on his body um and they at one point they alluded because he he kind of like poked at his legs and they kind of zoomed in on it before she saw anything with it and you're like okay the alien is for sure there he doesn't have scent feeling in his legs so that's probably how it's hiding but his his entire little rant that you just mentioned matt was one of those where it's are you trying to allude to the fact that this guy is trying to keep this alien alive and he's 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 rooting for it because it just it just seemed insane and then the fact that you know they're sitting here with this guy and he's all of a sudden become non-responsive and he did visibly point prod or look at his legs and there's you know everybody's just sitting there going oh yeah sure let's let's electrocute him hey by the way remember when electricity you know brought this thing back to life earlier and it attacked us yeah this is a great idea let's just you know get the paddles out i I don't know about you guys but for me that entire situation was just the most ridiculous kind of setup i've ever seen absolutely and and again just to go back before i have to keep going back before it even escaped the initial room that it was in so the, before he prodded it, it had fallen asleep because there was a kind of environmental problem. It wasn't getting the kind of gas, the atmosphere that it needed to survive. So when it breaks out of that box, all they have to do is cut oxygen to that room. Even if you know, I wanted them to be able to jettison it because that would make sense if you were setting up a, a protocol to protect yourselves from, from a possible hostile entity. Why, why would you not then just cut off oxygen to that room or cut off whatever gas needed to go to that room to make it kind of go into hibernation again? So that bug that bugged me so many times. I know it just completely jumped from a different scene to where you were, Peter. But that by the time it jumped onto that room uh, and or jumped onto his leg, there was a little scene before it was on his leg, and you kind of see him see Calvin, and he doesn't care about. It. He doesn't tell him be like, "Hey, Calvin's right there." You knew at that point that they were trying to drop a kind of, "Oh, he's sympathetic to Calvin," but then they couldn't commit to it, so they just went back and forth on what he was doing. And like you said, he rambled and had a little speech about it. And it was, it, I guess, to Sean's point previously, where he was talking about the, uh, you know, some of the some of the dialogue about Goodnight Moon and things like that. I thought that that scene was was kind of in that same attempt. Yeah, com- completely agree. Um, so I think let's kind of transition to the to the last piece here, which is the ending, and you know the fact that they threw in a twist, and I call it a twist with air quotes because it's really not a twist. I wanted to, wanted to get thoughts from you guys on what you thought about the way they ended the movie. Was it a good ending in your eyes? And did the way they set it up, did you see it coming? And maybe we'll start with you, Sean. What do you think? Yeah, Peter, I mean, I, get, I definitely had this feeling that, you know, they finally did put some thought into something that they did, um, be it it still, you know, didn't work to your point. I mean, you think when there's two pods left and there's two people left, of course, somebody has to be the, the sacrificial lamb. And in this case, it was Jake Gyllenhaal's character who's going to, you know, lure the, uh, to lure Calvin into uh, a pod so he can jettison and just into outer space, which is what they should have done from the beginning. Um, but you have the two pods, uh, you know, the, the twist being that they're both going to go off the Gyllenhaal and one with, with, the creature Calvin lured in, into his, and then um, uh, I can't remember Rebecca. Uh, what's, uh, yeah, Rebecca. What's her character? Yeah, yeah, Doctor North. Yeah, Doctor North. Um, you know, she went in, in the other one, and of course they both jettison at the same time. You're like, oh, you know, happy ending. She lands on Earth. Um, he takes the creature into space, 
and of course that uh, <laughs> you know that twist. Do I think it was you know a twist? No, because you you see that coming because when you start seeing her computer systems fail and you're like, okay, this is definitely not going to end up going well. And you see like the the creature Calvin is taking over Jake Gyllenhaal um, because I think he knows at this point that that's what he's trying to do. Uh, and then when they, you know, that, that, when that twist does occur, when he lands in the ocean, um, a la the 1960s and 70s Apollo missions um, with the uh, parachutes, you see these, South China Seas kind of fishermen just luring around, roll up to the ship, and then you see just, you see, that, you know, that's when the payoff is like, oh, this is what it is. I, I, I just was like, oh, great. Like, this is exactly what we need. Are they trying to set up sequels now? Like, I mean, I don't think this movie needs a sequel, but I, I mean, that's kind of, Hollywood's sort of lost all originality, um, being that this movie does have a lot of similarities to Alien, as we've mentioned, but um, yeah, I, I just thought that was unnecessary, but what about you? What'd you think, Matt? So, yeah, I, I'm glad they did it just cause, you know, I guess, you know, to hell with earth. Um, I, I'm not glad they did it. They were going for a sequel, which they probably are. Like you said, it was not, not surprising in the least. They, um, they set it up too much with showing the, the kind of the two different, uh, pod escape pods colliding and them going you know going in different um d- directions you know they show jake Hall still trying to steer away from earth you know like they, you you think that's what he's you know succeeding at uh obviously he fails because you know it wasn't much of a twist it wasn't a big surprise but i think two things really bugged me or maybe, maybe three things actually uh you know wasn't a twist but the the things that bugged me was for some reason the alien ate everybody else by going through their mouth uh, this alien, Jake Gyllenhaal, was still able to scream. Two, okay, yeah, they put it in a non-English-speaking corner of the Earth. So if Jake Gyllenhaal's telling them not to open the capsule, they'll still do it because they don't speak English. He's yelling no, though, so everybody knows no or kind of a negative, uh, don't do this, and yet they still do it. That doesn't make any sense. And three, the Earth's pretty big. Most of it's uninhabited based on the water, so the odds of him landing you know, next to a boat in the ocean is pretty minuscule. So I thought that was kind of an for it to be an immediate thing. Uh, so I guess maybe they are going for a sequel. But yeah, what, what did you think, Peter? Dear God, if they do a sequel to this movie, I will cry myself to sleep. That's that's <laughs> my that's my main comment. If they, I really hope they weren't. I I agree with you guys. I like I like the way that they did do this rather than just kind of go with the stereotypical. We're all happy. This is it. Um, I mean, for me, if you're going to actually do a sequel, it would have been more interesting to have the to have Gyllenhaal go off into space and then you work up some way that it comes back or it runs into some other spacecraft somewhere. I think that makes more sense and is more plausible. If for some reason they do a sequel on earth, I think it would make zero sense and would be horrible for the creativity of everybody on this planet to have to watch sequels for movies that don't need sequels. So um, I'm hoping that the box office of this has justified it. Nobody wants a sequel. So again, I mean, I, We'll get to this in our kind of summary, but I like the movie, but definitely hope this wasn't an idea for a sequel. So um, I think with that, let's let's kind of give our overall thoughts. And if you had to rank this alien from scariness, you know, one being uh, the alien from Aliens and 10 being Marvin the Martian, you know, give give your ranking. So uh, we'll, we'll start with you, Matt. What do you think? So I, I don't even understand that scale because Alien is scary and Marvin the Martian is awesome. But uh, 
it's, 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 a, it's a level of scariness. Oh, okay. So, right? so he's awesome, but not scary. Okay. So. Okay. Um, so he's he's pretty he's pretty scary. I'll admit, especially before he gains a face. Uh, I thought Calvin, the way that it moved, uh, and the way that it was able to kind of squeeze itself through small um, openings to get places, uh, was very freaky. Uh, I don't think that. Um, I guess in terms of scary aliens, the only ones that kind of come to mind are Predator and Alien. Overall, with the the way that they ended up giving it a face, I think it falls well below both of those. And just an overall kind of perceptions of just aliens that movies have kind of given us. I think that, you know, even something non-scary like uh, the aliens from uh, Edge of Tomorrow would still rank above. Uh, those kind of had the arms and kind of the idea of being all nerve cell kind of things as well. Uh, I think those would still rank above this. But uh, early on, I thought it was really good. I loved the way that it was. I thought it looked really good. I thought it moved really cool, but uh, didn't kind of live up in either the cool or scary aspects of the of the other aliens. But it might have just been the virtue of the movies those were in. So, so yeah. What what about you, Sean? Yeah, this movie actually. Rem- I not, like just thinking about it after what you were saying, Matt. I kind of kept thinking of uh, the movie Evolution. When they were fighting, it was kind of an alien where it basically became a big blob where it just yeah. absorbed everything. And that's, nice. that's sort of the, the my, my path is like, well, that, was, that wasn't really scary, but that, that seems to be like this. So, I mean, I, in space, I, I, I would think that when you're trapped in a space uh, or in a space station like, like they were, um, similar to kind of how Alien, the original film with uh, Ridley Scott, how he basically created the fear amongst the crew from this one uh, xenomorph jumping from person to person. I, I mean, I, I would say it's probably like a, like a middle of the pack de- degree of scary, like maybe like a four, like treading towards the top part. But uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I go back and forth because I feel like this movie was just, it, it was good. I, like I, I didn't think it was a terrible movie. I think they did do some things well, like we talked about. Um, but the, and the alien itself, just how it, I guess, like the going through the throat thing scares me because, you know, you can kind of swallow anything. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I'd i say it's probably like a middle of the pack, like a, like a three, four, maybe. I, maybe I talked myself up a little bit. But um, Maybe you yeah, can swallow I, anything, Sean. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can swallow spiders in your sleep. Did you know that? Yeah, so uh, who knows what can happen in, in the dark. But, uh yeah, I mean, I guess overall thoughts. I think like 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 we talked about throughout this. I, I think it's a a good movie. Okay, I'd say it's not actually no good is a strong word. I'd say it's fine. It's it just there's too much that just made me upset about the way they handled conflict or I guess conflict and how or not conflict, just how they ha- handled their um, issues on the ship. Um, but I, I I'd say this is probably one of those ones that it, I'm glad I saw it in the theater because I feel like the the shots and the and the action and the, a lot of the detail that went into how it was filmed and I think that's that's good to see on screen instead of at home. But um, yeah, I, I can't see this being a a big success. Peter, what about you? For me, alien scariness. I would say it it's scarier for me than I think you guys were were thinking, and only because I from a realism perspective, I could see this being something that's true. I could see this. You know, I I like the whole idea of 
this is something that was once on Mars and Mars used to have living life and this killed everything. So I, I can see this as almost, you know, some sort of a virus. So I thought that was interesting. Definitely wouldn't put it up there with, you know, to your point, Matt, alien or predator, but I would definitely say it's close behind in the originality. Um, and I, I would agree with you, Matt, that as the movie goes on, it kind of taints it. So I would just, I imagine it as the first act of it, you know, that that little, you know, starfish looking alien. That That's the alien I like. I think that's a scary. I, I agree. Scary if, if it stayed that, it would have been a very, very scary alien. I mean, it was always scary, but at, at a point it was just a giant bat almost towards the end or a bat. Yeah. Would, <laughs> I, so, uh, yeah. and then just, I, I think that's kind of it. Like the, the babies, when they started having the crawlers or the face crawlers, um, not the face crawlers, the, uh, from Alien, the baby aliens, what are those called? Face um, uh, face huggers. Um, yep, those yep. were scarier, you know, because something about something that small is, is super freaky. And I guess this movie, they didn't learn how scary that kind of thing can be. And they decided it needed to get bigger for some reason. But you, you made a good point. Yeah, what, what were your overall thoughts, though? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, overall thought. I would recommend, you know, with the new Alien Covenant coming out, you know, I would almost say just wait for that if you want to get your alien fix in the theaters. Um, if you're not a fan of aliens, I think this is worth seeing in the theater um, with that caveat. Um, had a good time overall. N- nothing that I would say, you know, you have to go rush out and see. But, uh, you know, it was interesting. Definitely could have gone some different ways. And I think from a character perspective, could have done better. But, you know, it was not a waste of my ticket money. I had a good time and definitely something that, you know, if somebody asked, should I see this? Should I, should I rent it? Definitely. Should I see it in theaters? I'd give it a, a middling thumbs up. You know, it's somewhere between if I was on a bad day, I'd say no. If I'm on a good day, I'd say yes. And you know, otherwise I'd say, yeah, sure. Why not? So, um, so yeah, I think that's how I characterize it. But, uh, any other last thoughts from anybody? I, I think that's a great way to put it, Peter. And I think the only thing to add, I can't remember if we talked about this, but when I learned after the fact that this was written by the same folks that wrote Zombieland, and uh, Deadpool, my my kind of disappointment was was so much higher because at least there, you know, I, I would have expected a lot more humor in this. I know that it's a kind of a horror thriller suspense, but I, I you know, movies can drop humor in, in times and, and and things like that. So with that in mind, as long as you're not aware of that, you're not expecting a Zombieland or Deadpool, you, you maybe won't be disappointed. But definitely, if you wanted to see the visuals. You know, you could you could check out the theater if you're really into it. Uh, but I think we'll have a few other movies coming out soon that you could probably spend more time on. Uh, if it's on TV or if you have it on streaming, I don't think you'd be wasting an hour and a half or whatever it was. I think you'd be okay. But overall, I'd say I was disappointed. One quick side note. Uh, that Now that we've mentioned this, we were talking about this earlier, but um, this is Life, the Life 2017, which not to be confused with Life 1999, with uh, Martin Lawrence and Eddie Murphy, which is a spectacular movie. And I would definitely say I'd rather watch that than this movie. Um, rest in peace, Bernie Mac. <laughs> I, I think you're right. There we go. I think you're right, Sean. Nailed it. I think that's that's a great way to put it. So any, anybody, if you want to see life, 1999, that's the right version. So, All right, I think that's going to wrap us up for today. Uh, so you can follow us, Potent Pictures, on Twitter. Or send us emails, potentpicturespodcast at gmail.com. So I believe next week uh, we're going to be reviewing Ghost in the Shell. And Sean, or not Sean, Matt, you're actually not going to be with us. Is that right? It depends on how well I do in Vegas. But uh, most likely I don't, I don't think I'll <laughs> so be So you won't be with us. Then. I appreciate you the confidence. Us, Thank yeah. you. 
Yeah, you sound very confident in yourself. You'll be crying at a penny slot. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll, we'll be another three-man crew, but uh, stay tuned, stick around, and uh, hopefully we can give you some more movie tidbits. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Yeah, one quick thing. Uh, I think we are going to drop in some Beauty and the Beast as well since we missed that one. But uh, other than that, yeah, can't wait for Can't wait for next week. I like your listening skills, Sean. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> you guys cut out on me, so I couldn't. I couldn't quite hear what you were saying. I just I assumed it, you said I heard last, and then I was like, okay, I, I guess they're talking about Last Man on Earth. Um, but yeah, I, it's uh, Will Will Forte, right? Or, yeah. Or not, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Will, yeah. Yep. yeah and he, which, which one of you is getting arrested? Oh, that's uh, sorry. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's fine. My, my neighborhood. My neighborhood is in between a fire station and a police station, so I feel safe. But uh, I get a siren every now and then, so I apologize. and cut that out. <laughs> Th- thanks, Joey from full house there we go <laughs> um but yeah go ahead sorry I, I think that that's a funny show from what i've seen but i haven't watched a lot of it